Welcome to Radically Transparent, the number one podcast for the modern day marketer, presented by Octopost, the only social media and employee advocacy solution architected for B2B. Each episode shines a light on the inner workings of B2B leadership, including what keeps successful CEOs, CMOs, and VPs up at night professionally. The conversations are real, raw, and authentic, all while revealing the unfiltered, not-so-known truths of today's most interesting marketers. Introducing your host, Jennifer Gutman. Hello, world. Here with me today is a true B2B marketing all-star and inspirational leader, Jill Murray, CMO of Arcadis. With over 20 years experience in marketing and communications and colleagues who define her as an expert strategist, results focused and a true team player, we'd like to welcome Jill to the show. So Jill, are you ready to get radically transparent with me? I sure am, Jen. Looking forward to it. We're so excited to have you on board. Um, we know you're, you've been up to a lot of really interesting uh, and great work. Um, but before we dive into all the fascinating things that you're up to, I'd love to understand a little bit more the backstory behind Arcadis and how you found yourself as CMO there. Yeah, sure. Well, Arcadis has been around since 1888. And back then we were famous for, um, you know, using land that, you know, could not be settled on and reclaiming that and making it suitable for urban development. Um, And since then, we've really developed and and we offer a lot of technical solutions. So things like engineering and design and architecture and so on. But across all of that, what we really do is help solve some of these big problems in cities around the world. So things like making an old building, building, more sustainable, making, you know, thinking about mobility and and how to ease congestion in a city or perhaps, you know, improving quality of life through some of our placemaking work. So really, um, a really um, interesting environment. Um, I found myself here, I originally started off in financial services and was there for sort of 12 or 15 years. And then I started out with an economics degree. And then, um, yeah, a little while ago, I decided to make the shift. And it's one of the things that I really love about marketing. Um, that you can move industries and you can take your skill set and, and move from one, you know, into another space. I love that. I love that. Um, and I'm just thinking about the space you're currently in. And I'm sure 2020 wasn't an easy year. Uh, it hasn't been an easy year for anyone. Some would argue dripping into 2021. It continues. Um, but I, I'm curious to know specifically in your industry and, you know, as CMO, what is it that keeps you up at night professionally? Yeah, I mean, I think COVID certainly um, for sure created, you know, amazing, you know, amount of challenges for us, you know, in terms of people engagement, we really pivoted around that and did a lot to support our employees. Um, Also dealing with the challenges of working from home and managing teams virtually, I think, you know, has been something that probably has kept me up at night. Um, But look across, you know, generally, I kind of think that some of the things around picking, you know, what you're focusing on for your team, I think you know, in a role um, like being in a CMO role, I think it's really easy to just jump in and sort of see all these things that need to change and sort of start, you know, rapidly going through it all and creating all this change and flurry. Um, but I think it's really important to sort of just pick those priorities. So I guess what would keep me up at night is have I picked the right one or two and will that have a good impact on my team? Do you know, am I setting them up for success? You know, you know. Let's not make sure all that all these wonderful things collide at once and cause pressure. You know, for the teams, etc. So it's probably around that. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think what people may not understand, um, especially, you know, from my chair, looking up at our leaders, who we find so inspiring, building a team is a lot harder than it may seem, right? It's not just about bringing, you know, all-stars, rock stars, and great people together, but there's so much more to it uh, to make things go smoothly. And kind of thinking in that that topic, I know that your colleagues defined you as a master strategist um, and really look up to, to your talent in being able to build out a strategy. But I want to take a moment and just speak about brand purpose, because I think when you're building a strategy in marketing, right, you have to have a purpose, um, and especially when it comes to branding. And I think something that stands out, right, is how do you become more than just a slogan on the wall? And, and how can you differentiate yourself from the competition, especially in a world today where everybody has, you know, gone digitally first uh, and kind of we're all using the same channels? Yeah, look, I think that is a a real challenge. And I always start with strategy. So it's important in this role to really start with brand strategy. What's your narrative and what do you want to be famous for? So um, at Arcadis, we say we um, our passion is to improve quality of life, but we really dug into that. So our starting point was to really look at that and to map that with our customers and our people to see if that really resonated and was our our strong starting point. We found it was, but then, then how do you amplify it out? And for me, the answer is getting that cut through is around being authentic and picking those things that you can speak about proactively. So, we've got a rich history in sustainability. We've been doing it literally for generations. So, we can have a voice in that space and speak to that. And that's really topical. So, that sort of goes to that authentic voice. Um, But then across all of that, I think it's also important to keep in mind the stories and that connection that you want with brand. Um, And I think being able to sort of connect the work we do with the outcomes is really important. So, right now I could tell you about a bridge that we developed or designed or a roadway that we engineered, but I don't know that you'd have a strong connection to that by itself. But if I told you a story about how that bridge connected to communities or how that roadway made it safer for someone to get home or brought families together, you know, even how we improved, you know, you know, quality of the air, you know, in a city, etc. I think that's how you make that connection and cut through. So I think that's really important as well. I would definitely agree. Um, what would you say, you know, and again, looking kind of at the past year where, I mean, I don't know how many people were driving on bridges, right? Everybody was kind of locked in home. Um, what were some of the successful messaging that you saw or like the stories that you were telling over over the past year? Yeah, I think it's really important to have a a conversation with your clients and really understand where their headspace is, Mm -hmm. you know, and sharing, um, you know, thought leadership with them has been incredibly important and thinking about, well, how do you recover and what happens post-recovery and how, again, back to those big conversations in cities, how will cities change? Will we start using space differently? You know, one of the things I loved about, you know, some of the changes in cities where all of a sudden there were more people when, you know, cities are opening up again back on the streets, you know, will that change? Can we drive that a little bit? How can we include that in the design? So, I think engaging in some of those conversations has been quite powerful um, during COVID and then beyond. I can imagine. I can imagine. And again, right, we're, we're, 
I think one of the still, I mean, this always fascinates me, right? Because I think what we could say like five years ago, 10 years ago, your company has been around for a very long time. Um, but I think the conversation about digital transformation for many B2B brands has been a hot topic. And then you have yeah. COVID come along and the pandemic where brands were catapulted into digital transformation and we were all forced to really put our words to the test. We were strategizing for years, you know, how to make <laughs> yeah. this happen. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, again, thinking about what it is and the stories that you tell in Arcadis, how has kind of the, the speed in which you've had to digitally transform and, and such an, right, your, your organization has been around for such a long time. What kind of mindset or what kind of skill set or tool set uh, did you need to either retrain your leaders, your customers, uh, your team members? Um, let's put it on the table. Yeah, I mean, it's been very interesting. As I said, like the digitalization piece has probably hit our shores a few years ago. So we've been quite well known with creating more so the digital tools and and those sorts of things um, to complement our existing services to clients. But yes, you're, you're right. Over COVID, that really sped it up. So looking at partnering with firms um, and, uh, and sort of ecosystem partners to offer um, a variety of services, but even things like doing site visits is a huge part of our work. So, we will often go and do an inspection if we're working on a building. And some of that had to happen digitally because some of those sites in some parts of the world were closed down. So, how does, how does I think that? That's really interesting, right? Because I even think about before my social media career, I was working in the security field and we would also do site visits to inspect cameras or different pieces of technology to, to see how safe um, you know, a, a specific location was. And if you can't do that with boots on the ground, what what did you turn to? I mean, were you using Zoom? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different tools and platforms used okay. um, and some of them we created ourselves. You know, okay. we've got, as I said, over the last few years there's been this rapid digitalization. We've actually been able to build up teams that have a lot of these experiences. So, we've been able to develop apps and platforms and tools and a whole bunch of things. But mm-hmm. sometimes when we can't, yeah, for sure, we go and partner with another firm, you know, and see if what, you know, what we can offer together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have another part of our business where we're really looking at now getting into the space of actually offering software, you know, and those sorts of things and, you know, really changing our business model instead of charging for the for our time, it'd be more inclined to, you know, charge for downloads and software. And then that software enables our clients to really um, empower their projects and get those delivered in a much more efficient way. Okay. So, a ton of things, some of that skill set, yeah, we had to, to bring in in-house, others we were able to create ourselves. So, yeah, an incredibly interesting interesting time. Um, phenomenal. <laughs> I'd love to yeah. see that technology in action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of these sites around the world were closed down. We couldn't, you know, do what we needed to do. And there was a big pressure without, you know, to keep some of these complex pl- projects running. I mean, we work in, you know, very big projects around the world that we can't always, you know, put on hold for six months. So yeah, digital really came into its own then. Um, and one of the other things I guess we've done, so that's really kind of high 
high-end sort of technical skills and sort of apps and platforms and things. But we've also needed to look at the organisation and really upskill, you know, the 27,000 Arcadians. So, we've got our own sort of program for that called Expedition DNA that our HR team developed. And it's a really cool program where you can sort of go online and go through modules and really learn more about innovation and digital regardless of your position at Arcadis. So, that's something that I think has been really powerful as well. Do you think, you know, I think that's an incredible program. And I I mean, I can't imagine it's easy, right? Because 27,000 Arcadians, right? (laughs) That's a lot of Arcadians to get up to speed with a new way of doing things. Did you, what have you learned kind of rolling out or seeing across the board? I mean, was there pushback? Were most people excited for change or was there pushback or, or how did you get around kind of, I guess, new, even internally from a marketing perspective, almost like you have to market internally uh, to, to, right? Like, I mean, that, that's a huge yeah. Of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we certainly did a fair amount of stuff around change and, you know, some of those um, inter- internal communications activities. But By and large, I mean, a lot of our teams are really entrepreneurial anyway. You know, a lot of them, you know, pride themselves. If you're in engineering and or cost management or commercial or any of that sort of stuff, you're fairly entrepreneurial. So, a lot of them, you know, are already that way themselves, looking at ways that they can cut down or streamline or do things differently. So, I think we're lucky that it wasn't sort of seen as some big technology thing being imposed on on people. I think there was, um, you know, a real desire to jump on board and really embrace that. But we certainly supported it by sort of painting a vision of that change, you know, that's going on and how that culture change will shift and how digitalization will transform our business over the next few years. So, we definitely needed to support it from an employee engagement perspective. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when employees know why, and I think that what you just said, you know, it really resonated. When you know why you're doing it, you almost want to innovate and do it more because you understand the why. And I think that's a huge piece when you are taking on such a project with such a large organization to help people get on track with the right mindset is to start with the why. Um, so actually, I'm going to shift for a moment. I think I think Arcadis is doing something really right. I have to say, I mean, I follow you guys on social media. You're constantly pushing out phenomenal content. I mean, I'm not even in your industry and I find <laughs> the work that you're doing fascinating. Um, but I want to ask, you know, with all of these successes and all of these incredible stories and, and infrastructure being built, right? Failure is such an inevitable part of success. And for you personally, as CMO leading such a large team, what are some perhaps failures or, or kind of mistakes perhaps back back when kind of looking in retrospect that you thought at the time were big mistakes, but actually looking back, you can either say, wow, that has helped me get where I am today or has taught me an important lesson about X. Yeah, look, I think a big thing for me early in my career is around over-promising. And I think that's something that probably everyone can relate to. You just want to get on with things and show that you're proving value. And so, you're just taking on all these projects and then you figure out that you can't deliver or can't deliver them on time. Um, and then a classic for me would be underestimating the work that's, you know, involved in a major project. So, and I mean, this is one that I, again, you know, repeated just recently. I mean, if you look at, we just went 
went through a brand refresh. And if you asked me at the beginning of that, you know, how long will this take? I would have cheerfully said three to six months. I mean, that's as long as we need. We'll just kick on and then off we go. But when you're looking at different teams and cultures and languages um, and different ways of bringing the brand to life, um, it was a much longer project and we really needed to take the time. But it was a bit like an onion. You sort of, there were different layers and you just kept going. And I'm glad we did all that because it got us to look at a whole bunch of things, you know, around brand and sort of making sure we had a a good um, brand database in place and a few digital tools as well. So, we were able to do more, but it was ended up being more like 18 months. Um, But yeah, I would have happily gone, oh yeah, we can just whiz through that. So, I think, yeah, a big lesson for me throughout my career is that I get a bit excited. I want to drive through change and I want to show that I'm adding value and isn't that exciting and let's jump in. Um, But I think, you know, you've got to learn. uh, One of my big lessons has been to learn to um, pace the change within the right rhythm of the organization and in your industry and also with your people. So, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you spin the wheels, you've got to take people along for the ride. And that includes um, being part of that organization and being a part of that and, you know, being in sync with the rest of the organization as well. So, I think that is definitely a big lesson for me. I like that. Hashtag pace the change. I think that in a marketing campaign, I really, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, a lot of us marketers, especially, you know, we're constantly trying to add value and fast and fast and fast, but there is some art to being able to pace that. Um, I really like that. I might use that hashtag. So if anyone listening in is going to look for this episode, hashtag pace the change. Um, (laughs) With that said, we're coming near the end and I have two more questions for you. So I would be lying to you if I said I didn't research you uh, prior to our interview. And one of the things that brought a huge smile to my face when I did um, was that the the amount of people, the amount of colleagues, your your employees who have nothing but incredible things to say about you um, and really see you as a strategic leader. I'd like to ask you today, what do you want most when you think about your team and you think about your employees? What do you want for them today? What, what, what advice yeah. do you give them? Um, well, you know, in short, I want them to thrive at work. I want them to be able to bring their whole selves to work and be themselves, to have flexibility. You know, I'm a working mum and it's important to me that people, you know, can take the time out when they need to. And it's not just about the hours that you clock, you know, at your desk. I think the world has changed and thank goodness for that. Um, I want you know, I want the teams to work on inspiring projects and have the space to do that, you know, and not be overloaded with, you know, lots of, you know, other requests they can't meet. So, for me as a leader, I I probably think about that a lot and think about, well, what can I do to help them, you know, and support them, you know, be a bit of a sounding board, but also sometimes remove obstacles out of their way so they can get on with it. Phenomenal. And last question. It's my favorite question to ask our guests. So we, we learned in this episode, your mom, we learned you're an amazing leader. Uh, we learned a lot of the challenges of moving, you know, mindsets uh, and pacing change. Can you tell us something about yourself today that we are not able to find on your LinkedIn profile or if we were to search you on Google? Yeah, I guess one of the things that comes to mind, um, which you may not be able to find out about me, is that I have a real passion um, for making a difference at a personal level. And I know that might sound a bit lofty, um, but, you know, I've, I'm 
I guess I've come from a background where growing up, my parents, my grandparents would always do a lot, you know, for community service and charity work and those sorts of things. And that really resonated with me. And it's something that I really tried to take forward and to you know, to bring to my son and to try and teach him because I, I believe that, you know, it's not equal for everyone. You know, it's not a case of if everyone just works hard, they'll succeed and climb up the corporate ladder. I think sometimes there's a lot of inequality around and you know sometimes people sometimes people need a bit of a helping hand so even in this role I know I'm busy and I've got a lot of stuff on but I think it's really important to me to find some time to take a step in that direction um, I find it very grounding and I think that you know we probably all have a role to play and I think that will be a constant throughout my life no matter what my role is professionally I'll always want to do something in that space I think that's beyond important. Um, what are some of the, if you can share, what are some of the causes or organizations, if you have any that maybe we yep. can, after this show, be so curious to, to research ourselves and learn a little bit more about? Yeah, sure. I'm a, a current mentor with the Smith family, okay. um, which is an Australian-based charity. So, I do online mentoring with a disadvantaged um, high school student okay. and I do that over a couple of months. Um, once, yeah, once say um, a year, you sort of get assigned a new student. Um, and I really take a lot from that. You know, I want to hopefully be a voice there to sort of encourage extra study or staying in school and some of those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really good. And then closer to home here, because I live in the Netherlands. I just did a bit of volunteering um, with Not For Sale, okay. um, a group that look at the human, um, you know, uh, the sorry, the survivors of human trafficking and, wow. um, you know, was able to do a workshop there for that team. And that was really inspiring as well. So, look, I'm not saying I've got all the answers and I'm an expert. I just like to try and find something and some element to incorporate in my life. Jill, it was an absolute honor to have you on this show. Thank you for getting radically transparent with me today about the role of CMO and all of the community work that you're doing. And I hope each, each and every one of us can find uh, something in our communities as a way to give back after listening to this episode. Um, with that, if anybody would like to be in touch with you, learn more about Arcadis or any of the organizations that you are part of, what's the best way to reach you? LinkedIn. It's um, is probably the best way. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I'm on there a bit. So just reach out. I'd be happy to connect. Awesome. Jill, thank you so much and have a fantastic day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.